Hello, and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. Before we begin, I want to remind everyone to check out our best-selling book. If you already listened to the podcast, the title should be pretty easy to remember. It's called Love as a Business Strategy. Imagine that. It's not your typical business book. It's honestly just as chill, laid back, and honest as this podcast. So be sure to check it out on Amazon or your favorite book retailer today. But enough about that. We're here to talk about business, and we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. And we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I am your host, Jeff Ma, and I'm a director at Softway. We're a business to employee solutions company that creates products and offers services that help build resilience and high-performance company cultures. I am joined today by fellow co-authors and co-hosts, Chris Petrie, Vice President of Softway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hello. And Frank Dana, I'll give you a title, Hello. director at Software. There you go. What, is, what does that mean? If you're, if you're watching video right now, he's wearing his tie-dye shirt. Like, looks like he just rolled out of bed. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I feel on, like but, I run but, a, a, shady, a shady gym by the beach. That's how this that's kind of That's the look you were going for when you woke up? Yeah. Shady, shady beach adjacent gym owner is my vibe. Camp counselor yeah. vibes. Okay, fair enough. Nailed that it. That does look like Nailed an arts and craft project. <laughs> oh my God. How did you know it was homemade? This is homemade. My kids made me this. Oh wow! Well, nice. entire. I have been thinking that the entire time, but I didn't want to say anything because you know people think that I throw shade and like it was just like it looks. You're like, throwing shade well. at my, at my 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 gift that my kids made me. Okay. I I didn't say that it wasn't well done. I just said it looked Ooh. like it was arts and craft project. Arts well, let's and welcome, craft. Let's yeah. let's welcome <laughs> let's welcome our Sorry, guest Katrina. to this conversation. Uh, our guest today, she owns a company called Happy Teams, through which she consults with businesses to improve employee communication, culture, and retention. And she also coaches entrepreneurs, helping them work through that fear and insecurity, and prepare to hire and lead prepare them to hire and lead future team members and team leaders. Uh, she also is the DEI director for AMA Houston, which I'm sure we will get to very quickly here. Welcome to the show, Katrina Ballard. Hello, Katrina. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Sorry about all this like early shade throwing before we've even gotten in the show, but it happens. I and mean, I, I'm. it's not bothering me. I'm fine. <laughs> well, I'm going to do a wardrobe free. change in a minute. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell your kids like daddy had to change he got shaved oh no yeah. well chris well since chris is dishing it we'll let him start with the icebreaker question katrina will go with you last you have time to prepare because we all have the same question okay. uh chris let me let me open up my little digital envelope so i can see what maggie has given us for this episode chris if you could be a part of any band what would it be and why <clears throat> um, oh gosh. <laughs> no, so I'm going to take this loosely, a loose interpretation of band. Um, so I'm going to go with Beyonce's background band, um, mm -hmm. merely because I feel like everyone else would be so great that I could like hide in the background with my lack of skill and still be getting the applause and the praise and the you know comforts of the tour environment. I know she does it up when they go on tour. So that's, that, that would be where I would be. So Wait, I have a question. Yes. Doesn't she only employ women in her band? I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a wrinkle, just a small wrinkle. 
Just that's what I'm like, saying. Like, as but, but I she... said, I would be in Beyonce's band. <laughs> My answer still to stays the same. <laughs> to reiterate. You're like, hey, uh-huh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is My this answer. is. Katrina, this is already a hypothetical. Okay, this is already a dream scenario. So please don't crush his dreams right now. <laughs> but she she employs the twins, which are male dancers. So I might be, you know, the exception. Hey. Well, that that's that that whole conversation has given Frank enough time to put a jacket on over his his shirt. Now I'm so out Frank, of the construction site. Yeah, Frank, like, we're moving <laughs> to you. I hope you've you've thought about it. And you have an amazing answer for if you could be in any band, which one would it be? Why? Any any part of a band? Sure. I'd be, I mean, listen, I'd be the lead guitarist, man. Well, which band? Okay. I don't More, know. Never. <laughs> <laughs> in support with of that, Frank, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I know exactly what position I would be in position, the band. But not hey, yeah, if that's how you if that's how you translate the question. Perfect. Your answer stands and it's it's valid. You know what? Foo fight foo fighters. I'd be the lead guitarist in Foo Fighters. That's just sound that's just a fun like rock and roll band that's modern but still toes the line between classic rock and modern rock. Don't give me that side eye when I said modern because they really are. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Okay. With you. Interesting. I love Foo Fighters. I love Foo huh. Fighters. I, I wouldn't call them modern, but you know, they're they're good. Uh, Modern compared to ZZ Top or ACDC, you know what I'm saying? Okay, huh. got it. Got it. Okay, cool. Katrina, <laughs> if you could be part of any band, what would it be and why? Okay, so I think y'all are probably going to laugh at me, but that's okay. I'm just going to put it out there. But I saw in concert um, Mariah Carey and Lionel Richie, and I was so like dead excited about mariah carey lionel richie embarrassed her that night like he made he was so good he put on the best concert and i've seen destiny's child i've seen but it was so good so i think probably lionel richie um but if i was going to pick a position in the band i would either be the drummer or a lead singer nice great answer that's how you do it, gentlemen. That's how you. That's how you answer icebreaker. And with that, I, gonna... okay. he's like, my answer was the best. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Did you remember how it's all female no, band so, members and me? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you forgot. Yeah. This is great. So, so Katrina, the issue here is that historically, I get sort of dragged for my delayed responses or the overthinking on sort of these questions and. You know, mm. Frank today was a little bit late, but it's okay, yeah. Frank. We, I support you. I'm willing to, you know, support <laughs> those who are slower on the uptake, but I'm typically in that seat and I got no wow. praise, no credit, no acknowledgement. Chris, I, it's fine. I apologize. I I'm take sorry. it all back. Let me, redir- let me redirect all the shade only at Frank. Chris, you did a great job. Today. <laughs> Chris is like, y'all don't respect my shine. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, like it. I'm going on mute. I had it together today. I had it together yeah. today. Had well to done. First, well done. So let, let's, let's dive into this. Katrina, I'm, we're all dying to, to know and, and hear about kind of your story, right? I want to start there. Can you tell me a little bit about, and you can start anywhere you want. I don't want to dictate this, but just tell me about how you got to where you are, where your, where your passions lie and why. 
Oh my goodness. Um, I can give you a long version and go quickly. So it's not like too painful for anyone. Um, but I, I have two great loves in my life. Um, besides like faith and my family and all of the necessary answers. Um, but sports and people slash psychology, um, I've always been a sports junkie. I get that from my dad and I love psychology. I took one psychology class in high school and knew that was what I was going to do with the rest of my life. So I have a psychology degree, um, a counseling and psychology master's degree. And I pretty much was one of those types of people that thought once I finished my master's, I was going to get a job and I was just going to be done. Like end of story, put a bow on it, move on. And so I went into higher education for, um, about eight and a half years and then had my son and um, basically started a path of the past six years in entrepreneurship. So I was a calligrapher for several years and the fa- my favorite part of that job was meeting people. So that is a pretty clear indication that calligraphy was not for me. Um, So then I moved on to doing mental health support for entrepreneurs because I was in the entrepreneur field and absolutely loved that. Um, And then made a switch into doing teams coaching and have this um, company that I have now, which I love. And so that is a really good um, marriage, if you will, of my love for people, my love for entrepreneurship, my I love to watch something being built from nothing. And so in the entrepreneur field, in the business field, I love talking strategy and I have this deep value and appreciation for hearing people's stories and supporting them in their dreams and um, encouraging them in the story that is their life in the journey that they are destined to walk. And so I, all of that kind of culminated into where I am now, the owner of Happy Teams, and just consulting with business owners to bring a little bit of humanity back into business and entrepreneurship. Um, so I believe that you can have strategy and you can have heart. Um, so that's kind of where I am today. I have, I'm very open about this, that I have struggled a lot with feeling um, shame over such a windy path because I just didn't think that that was how you achieve success. And so my personal traditional definition of success went against what my actual experience has been in business. And that was really difficult to kind of, um, to reconcile the two. So that aside, where I have landed has been so fulfilling and so much fun. And it's just brought me a great deal of joy and helped me to use the strategic analytic part of my brain to kind of combine the two. So that's where we are today. I'm a sports fan. So when I'm not talking about team things, probably watching a sport of some kind. Amazing. And I I really appreciate you opening with that vulnerability. I think, just hearing about, you know, something that I think we can all relate to. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know what the traditional kind of career path of success really looks like, but I think it's definitely a myth and going different places, trying different things, I think builds us up in, in better ways. So that's amazing that, that you can open with that. I, I love the tone you've set there already. I wanted to dive in 
more specifically about Happy Teams a little bit. Yeah. You know, this, uh, can you tell us about Happy Teams, what it is, what you do, and you know what it's all about? Absolutely. So basically, it is a company that is where I provide coaching and consultation to get to resolve the issues of employee retention, employee satisfaction, growth strategy, um, just just about anything that's in that umbrella is where I like to work. So employee retention, employee satisfaction, growth strategy, um, effect, employee effectiveness is a big deal to me because I, I truly believe that you can come to your job, work hard, produce really good results and have a good time. Like those things are not mutually exclusive. So yeah. that's what happy teams does. I, Currently work with small to mid-sized businesses, um, providing consultation services. And I also, given kind of my history in entrepreneurship, I also really enjoy coaching people when they are, when the circumstances tell them that they're ready to hire and they are afraid to hire for whatever reason. They feel like they're not up to the task. They don't know where to start. They're not sure we're sure what next steps to take. So I really love joining people there as well to kind of start that um, road to expansion. So that's what Happy Teams does in a nutshell. Got it. Awesome. Now, I have a question for you. <clears throat> what is the I guess the most common challenge, and I would I would imagine there's several things that you probably see, but you know when you are encountering sort of uh, businesses that already have existing teams, what are some of those common challenges you come across um, within teams? And I'm I'm looking for the juicy stuff. I know there's like oh you know alignment, like I get all like all of those <laughs> you like, you know great business team. terms. <laughs> yes, yeah, like let's go to the real stuff. People want the real stuff. Well, really, it's. Um, employee interaction and relationships. And so there I've worked with a company that had a lot of issues. I was hired essentially to figure out what the issue was um, in terms of why people weren't motivated. And that led me straight to the leader, the person on top. And so that was a really interesting conversation to try to kind of identify ways that we could resolve the issue when the person that's running the ship is running it into the ground. So that was really fun. Um, And then, you know, some of them do. I have had situations where the my work does also run into DEI issues. And so those are some conversations that I've had to have as well. so really, it's a lot of helping when when a company has issues where their employees just aren't getting along or they don't want to be there or they're not motivated um, and just kind of helping to get to the root of the issue. And a lot of times it's because leadership has a disconnect with the, the people who are working and doing the work. And so um, there's a lot of discontent there. There's going to be a lot of anger and resentment. And so... Yeah, the one I would say the one with the leader was pretty. That was pretty intense uh, for sure. Yeah, no, I can imagine um, that must be. I mean, <clears throat> bringing a leader into self awareness, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, as they're also sort of the one cutting the check. I can imagine is probably a, a really delicate balancing act because you have to sort of tell the truth, um, but right. you also still have to sort of 
you don't want to ruin that leader in a way that, you know, I know there's the natural reaction that they could sort of reject it and just be defensive. But there's also the other reaction where it hits them hard and they don't yeah. know what to do and how to recover. And it can sort of be even more damaging to the team because it went from sort of polar opposites where you have this leader who, you know, could be toxic to a leader that's disengaged and absent and doesn't know how to parse through a lot of those things. Right. Was, I don't know if there was a reaction there, but I'm curious to know, like, how did that leader handle that, that conversation? Um, I took it as I tend to approach things with as, with as much honey as I can. And so I definitely led in the conversation with, instead of being like, hey, so everybody hates you. Um, I found the problem is you. Yeah. <laughs> instead of going that route, um, I definitely was like, this is how your team sees you. This is what they wish you knew. Um, they, they value, they respect you and they look up to you. And so knowing this, let's, I, I shared that information in the hopes that we would maybe make a choice to change our behavior. Um, that didn't happen, but that well, is yeah, a little yeah. bit outside of where, you know, that's a choice yeah. that you get to make. We're all adults. So yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what, what happened next? <laughs> we don't have well, to talk about that. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah. But I did. We'll turn off the mics. Yeah. Yeah. Unmute. <laughs> um, I did want to ask you a little bit about, you know, your passion for psychology. And obviously that's, that's, that's an area that, that you have expertise in. Um, I'm wondering how that kind of is utilized when you're having these conversations around employee engagement, employee retention, how are you able to utilize what you started with that, that, so you said that single class in high school that kind of brought you to that place where you were like, I love this so much. How are you able to weave that into the work that you're doing and the consulting services that you offer? Well, my belief in psychology is that 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 has led me to view people as that we all essentially have um, pretty foundational desires that we that motivate a lot of us. And I mean, I don't want to. I understand that I'm making it very overgeneralized. Please forgive me for that. But really, my motivation is the understanding that people at their heart, at their core, for the most part, want to be understood. They want to be heard. They want to be shown that they are valued for exactly who they are today. Um, and so that's something that has driven me for years and years and years. I've always loved hearing people's stories. Um, I've always valued people's stories. And I am always so driven to, to share the message with people that, your story has brought you to where you are today for a reason. And there is so much value in that. And so that has really led me to be able to connect with people just on a foundational level, because when I tell them that what they share with me is confidential, and when I tell them that I value what they're telling me and I am here to use it for their benefit, then I, I have found success in that because I really mean it. You know, that's something that is really important to me. And so just the psycho just the psychology aspect of it that um, number one, just to know that that's really what people desire. And so they will give you what you want as a leader in terms of meeting a goal or doing a certain type of work or doing work at a certain level. But at the same time, they also need to know that they're seen and they're valued and they're heard when they share what is on their heart. Um, and then I would say the second part of that is I'm so thankful for 
my counseling degree because it has also taught me how to interact with people and very essential foundational ways to connect with somebody in a conversation to let them know that what you're saying is important, what you're saying has value, um, and that it's, it's, you're really being heard in this situation. And so I use just the, uh, some theoretical knowledge that I have in psychology just to kind of in that drives how I relate to people one-on-one. And then practically speaking, I use a lot, I take a lot from my, my master's degree that helps me to connect with people in a conversation to help to give them nonverbal cues that they're being heard and that what they're saying is, is really valuable and of importance to me. Um, so psychology does drive a lot of that, I would say theoretically and practically. Yeah, that's fantastic. You, I mean, it, go ahead, Jeff. You, you, you talked about being like genuinely interested and genuinely invested. Mm-hmm. You know, I find, I find that to be a continuously kind of interesting, like it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And yet when we talk about the work that we both work in, you know, happy team software and love is a business strategy, all of us, right. we're trying to make a change in the world and the business and the workplace. Mm-hmm. And you come up, you we're constantly facing a, a lack of like genuinity, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. as a hurdle is what I've seen, right? Like mm-hmm. people, you know, companies will spend millions on changing DEI or if, uh, addressing, you know, culture problems, but they'll spend the money, but you know, the change comes from the genuine work, the mm-hmm. genuine people really caring, people really trying, people putting in that work, just like that leader that you worked with. They have to genuinely want to be better, right. genuinely want, right? How do you, you know, how do you think, how do we overcome that? Because like as as in our line of work, we're our job is to come and give them the answer. But if mm-hmm. they just want to spend the dollars and sit back and see the results. Right. Like what's the approach? Like, how do we overcome that? Well, I think that it's, which is really funny, Jeff, that you would bring that up because I also sometimes struggle with not being surprised that more people don't see it this way. Um, Because to me, it just makes perfect sense. It's, it's almost like being gifted a complete package, but I don't know, I guess somewhere along the way, Oh, excuse me, somewhere along the way we have, made the decision that the value is better on just driving behavior towards earning the dollar and not make helping to build people up. And again, like I said, create the whole package within your company. Um, But my, I love entrepreneurship. I love just the vision and the dreaming and the planning and the, the creating of the goals and working towards those goals. And so And I love the accomplishment, to be honest. I love when you can say we have accomplished this thing, this monumental task that was put in front of us. But I think that I I find that I have more success when I lead with the language of this improves your bottom line. Your ROI is greater than you realize because when you start here with the qualitative, then you in turn affect the quantitative. Um, And so when you help show people that they're valued and, you know, have love as a business strategy and you are honest and you apologize when you're wrong and you hear from voices that traditionally you may not have heard from before, it it all compiles to make you 
in turn, a more successful business in general is my belief. And obviously a better leader as a result, um, because your people, when they feel heard and seen and valued, they work harder because they now are bought into the goal. And so they're going to give you better work. They're going to work harder. Um, they're going to be more invested in what it is that you ask of them. And that in turn, when you have people that do that, it naturally spills into higher earnings and a stronger company and a better company culture. And I agree with you that people will throw money at company culture just to make it better. But sometimes they balk a little bit at the answer of you start here, you start at this particular pace place, and then you work up. Um, so I, that's, that's the way that I approach it is to say that this actually to kind of show the connection between satisfied employees and people who feel valued that then gives you better work on the, on the other end. Um, so, I mean, it's, I understand that it sounds a little bit pie in the sky, but that's just the approach that I use. And I tend to take that. I apply that concept to the specific situation. And so they're not hearing this like, Oh, when you make everybody happy, then you make so much money. They don't hear that. What they actually hear is in your specific situation, if you are able to resolve this issue, it's going to lead to, XYZ, which will give you the result of, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for. So I try to make it specific to the company and what their needs are or the organization and what their needs are. Got it. What I like is that um, in many situations and many organizations, as well as many conversations that I've had with people that are, are leading DNI. Um, a lot of times DNI is relegated to this corporate monolithic strategy that comes from above or HR or some other division. And it mm -hmm. seems like you're really focused on making sure that DNI is a team thing and it's mm -hmm. not just sitting at the corporate level, but everyone can participate, everyone can drive it, everyone can lead it, everyone can contribute towards it and still have an effective sort of outcome, but also reap the benefits within their own team without waiting for the cue Absolutely. from some outside entity or other group or other silo. Absolutely. I was asked that, this question last week, and I think it's such an important question. What if my leadership is not bought? They don't care about DEI. What if they don't care? What do I do? You know, and I think that's such an important question because that's reality. Like that's some people are dealing with that. And it's difficult because you look outside and if you pay attention at all, how could you not be invested in DEI? But you know, some people aren't, that's not important. And so, um, but again, I think Chris, what you're saying is absolutely true that you can, people can use where they are and just make the effort to be inclusive and to see the people that traditionally would be unseen. And you start there, you know, because maybe you can't change the culture of your corporation. Maybe that's just, it's, it's actually not, feasible in any way. But what you can do is you can change the culture of your sphere of influence, no matter how big or small it is. Um, and I think that even foundational at a foundational level is DEI. That's, that's making the effort that's doing the work to make a change. Even there that to me, that counts more than anything, you know, um, much more than checking off boxes to say that you did. Mm -hmm. Got it. So what I'm hearing is that I probably should not have made fun of Frank's tie-dye shirt. I should have let him wear that um, and encouraged it because that is who he is and that's what he wants to wear. 
right? Frank, Frank, I apologize. Well, I've been waiting for this moment for the past 24 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> He's like, the shirt is coming out. <laughs> and this this is a great time to talk about this. I'm just kidding. But but I I, I wanted to ask you a little bit because I think um, from your perspective and the work that you've been doing, how do leaders typically showcase or how do leaders typically define what culture is? Because you talked about, you know, applying money to culture and putting money into culture, but where, where are leaders coming from that you're working with in regards to like, what is culture to them? I'm interested to know that. Well, I, the way that I answer that question is I have, I want you to write out exactly like your top three to five things that are most important to you. What is it that's most important that drives what you do in your business day to day? Like what, what are the things that you always are coming back to? And I think that's a really good indicator of where your culture lies. It may not be the encompassing answer, but you're going to have a lot of really big clues right there. Um, So that's what I would say is ask your leadership team, ask your leaders when, when you're having those conversations, what are the things that are most important to you? And it could be we have offices throughout the Southeast or we make, you know, our, our gross income is 20 million this year. That's fine. That's great. But so what are the values? What are the things that are most important to you to help you to reach that goal? Um, so that's just, that's where I start with. And then I say in within those, what makes that so important to you? Why is that such a high priority on your list? And then that kind of can, you can extrapolate from that to give an indicator of what the culture might be. Um, and so if there's something where they say they have these goals for expansion or goals for growth, or, you know, they want to be the premier name in coaching and consulting or whatever it might be, then when you have that goal and you have the things that are most important to you, then that's where I would kind of start there, take your list, understand why that's so important and, and give yourself the, the, um, like a mission statement kind of thing to come from that, that stems from that. And then have the conversation to understand how that does affect your culture. Um, and, a lot of times it may not necessarily be have happy employees. Like maybe it's do it the best, do it the fastest, make the most money. Okay. Well then how do we make that realistically something where you can attract an employee that's going to do that and also enjoy their job. So I, I see that as where I come in to help. That's kind of the right stick right in that little area and help to have those conversations and facilitate those conversations. Because I think that you can have the goals and you can have the vision and you can make your one-year plan, three-year plan, five-year plan. But I, I view it as my job to come in and ask the questions of, okay, and what, and then what, okay. And how does this affect X, Y, Z when people may feel, they may not think to ask those questions or they may not feel that they can. So, can you can you um, kind of just high level kind of talk through kind of your approach, like just like when it comes to working with business and teams, like what kind of things are you doing? What kind of ways are you tangibly kind of working through these problems and solutions? 
Sure. Um, so first of all, what I do is when I am approached by a company, I ask that I let them tell me, uh, I said this recently, I'm kind of like, I'm not like a doctor at all, but when you go to the doctor, they don't say, you look like this is wrong. They say, tell me what hurts. Tell me what's bothering you. And so I give companies an opportunity to tell me or organizations or whatever, tell me what it is that, what's your pain point? What do you think that it is? And so I start there and I ask, um, I also ask, what is it that you, if you could, if this would go away or if this problem would be resolved, what would that actually look like for you? What does success look like for you? Define success, define your pain points. And then I have, you know, other questions. And so I get that before I meet with the people, with, with a client, right? So I get those answers to the questions that I have for my company. And then I go in, once I have all of that compiled, I put it together because likely if it's one person, then we just have one conversation. But if it's a team of five, then I get that from everybody, put it together to say, this is what is most identified. These are your highest level of pain points. This is your highest level of frustration. This is what I've seen that you would most like to have resolved. And so then we have that we go in and have those conversations. And that's when I really give the the team the opportunity to kind of just talk it out. You know, I bring up these things. I, I give them an opportunity to respond. And that's where a lot of the magic happens, because, again, I'm bringing in practical tools that I've used or I've learned through a counseling degree to kind of facilitate this group conversation and facilitate, you know, things are going to come up in those conversations that are very important to be addressed. They're not going to write it all on paper. And so then I can address dynamics and relationships and levels of interaction. So once that's all done, um, if I'm there for leadership, then I would have that conversation. If I'm there to meet with team members, I would have the conversation with leadership and then have the conversation with team members that I identify with the leader or leaders that need to, it's important for me to hear from, hear from them. And I always, always say, I don't mind telling you guys this, but I always say what you say to me, I will not, it will not come back in a way that could harm you. And so it's very important for me that you feel safe in this conversation because if when you feel safe you're going to be honest and what I want is your honesty and so then we have a conversation in which um, I hear from the the appropriate employees and then um, once I do that with everyone then I go back I come home compile all my stuff and then go back to the company and say this is a finalized report that has the identified pain points that you gave me your, your ideal solutions. Um, this is what is actually a pain point and what is actually keeping you from accomplishing the goals that you have in your company. This is my recommendation for resolution. Um, and the, the reason that it works is because they may not be hearing from their employees what is actually going on. Um, and so they, the leadership thinks it's one thing and the employees thinks that think that it's something completely different. And so I come in to kind of integrate those two and give them practical solutions based on what is actually happening in your company that you may or may not be aware of. This is what I would recommend to fix it. Um, it's important to me to give them 
solutions that don't necessarily involve me because I would love to come in and do team building activities or consultation or meet with people once every quarter, you know, whatever. So while I would love to do that, I also think that it's important for them to know that to be empowered to, to um, build solutions on their own and find a way to just fix these issues on their own, if that's something that they feel compelled to do. And so typically I give a, if you were to do, if I were not to return, this is what I would recommend that you do these X, Y, Z things. If you would like to continue working with me, here's what I would recommend doing these X, Y, Z things. And here's how I can help. So that's kind of the bird's eye. I mean, I gave a little more detail, but the bird's eye view of what my process looks like when I come into a company or an organization. I just really quickly was wondering if you just had like a quick, you know, obviously anonymized example of like a problem you stepped into and then like the solution that, that you gave just to give a little context of that process you just shared. Sure. Um, one was it, again, it was DEI related and there was a big pain point around race relations and just um, coming into the situation and, and hearing the pain points and hearing what that looks like. And then, being the one to say a, a good example is that I was the one to say that this is where your pain point is. It is in race relations. And again, sometimes stuff does go over like a sack of bricks in the ocean. Um, so that went, you know, it wasn't received very well, but we were able to, I, I am a good person because I'm an outsider. And so you can be irritated with me. That's totally fine. I'm also equipped to handle that, but, and my emotions aren't in this. So I feel comfortable saying this is what the issue is because what are you going to do? Retaliate against me? Like, I, okay. <laughs> um, but so I, then I can go in and say that. And so it didn't go over well. I was able to push the issue to help this particular organization see that that was the issue and then give them tools to address it. Um, wow. So I guess, I mean, without sharing too much, that's an example. Oh, yeah. Cool. Go ahead, Chris. You know, I was going to take you back. You said something um, when you're walking through your process that I thought was really sort of interesting because we see this the same thing happen, right? So you brought up, you know, the fact that sometimes employees are not always honest with their mm -hmm. um, employer about the real right. issues and with feedback and whatnot. And um, I know I've been in a situation where talking with a leader and, you know, we're giving sort of what the team has shared with us. Mm. And they're like, that is a complete like 180 from what they just told mm. us. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're sort of at this sort of a crossroads, so to speak mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. who, which, which one is right. Like they both can't be right. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, you know, you're like, well, here's what I will tell you. Um, the lens in which you captured your feedback was around a 360 performance review um, for this particular leader. And mm -hmm. I don't know what employee would want to ruin someone's career or livelihood, even if they aren't a great leader. Absolutely. And so you put them in this position where I'm sure if you read through and read between the lines, they're telling you everything that you probably should be picking up, but that's a different conversation, right? Absolutely. But there's, there's usually that sort of dissonance between, wait, they were truthful with you, but not me. What, what's mm -hmm. with that? 
and like mm-hmm. that sort of reckoning that if you have an environment that favors harmony over honesty, you are going to have situations where outsiders will get the truth before leaders. Absolutely. Um, but, You're but so you brought right. that up and I was like, I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is, you know, a telltale sign. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think my next step immediate, my immediate next step would be to ask the leader. Okay, so let's park a little bit on the fact that I was told one thing and you were told something else. What do you think is the reason? What is it about the company that you like this culture that you have fostered? as the leader, because it is your responsibility. What is it about the culture that you fostered that you makes you feel like your employees can't be honest? Let's have that conversation, you know? Um, And I mean, I'm, again, I'm not there to like blow it up. I am (laughs) there to ask those questions because if the actual, if the goal is this culture of, um, if the, the goal of this, is to have a culture where people feel respected and seen and valued. And we're all working towards the goal of actual company success, i.e. doing the work that we're here to do, then that's an important question that, <laughs> that needs to be addressed. You know, yeah. like, why is it that, and, and what it, you know, to ask a leader, what is your response to that? Like, what, how does that make you feel? What is your feedback? Because that, to me, again, like you said, is a huge telltale sign. And it's something that, in my mind, like, the flashers are on. This is where we need to park and, like, unpack what's going on here. Um, Mm -hmm. But, no, I mean, I I couldn't agree more with you. So, And, unfortunately, it's really prevalent in cultures that are nice, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. I think that that, sometimes that could be the worst type of culture to live in because everything is like a a slow knife that just cuts deep, but you can't really see it, right? Right. You're like, because everybody's so nice. It's super nice. Like there's not this aggressive behavior, right? And typically Mm -hmm. when when we think of toxic cultures, we think of this sort of like, you know, assertive yelling, you know, um, high confrontational environment. Mm -hmm. But those are the ones that are, I'm not going to say easier to fix, but those like Mm -hmm. the problems are visible. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. therefore, you can actually uh, sort of treat those symptoms more, you know, uh, quickly um, versus those those ones where it's like you walk in, it's like, oh, everybody's saying hi to everybody. Everybody's like nice and waving and, you know, polite conversations. (laughs) Yeah, like what's the problem? And then you get into it, it's like, oh, y'all are not nice. Like, (laughs) nice nasty not nice (laughs) yes nice nasty okay that was that was shade that she just threw (laughs) 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 yeah that was a smile though but that was okay i'm i'm seeing i'm picking up what's being put down right yeah (laughs) you walk into these environments and i think those are sometimes when you're a leader or when you're in a team where again camaraderie is high but Mm -hmm. honesty is low Mm-hmm. You find those situations where you're nice, nasty with people, where you get away with saying exactly what you want to say and cutting people deep without right. ever having to be held accountable against it or, you know, being called to the carpet. And if someone calls you to the carpet, you can always twist it around. Like, I didn't mean that that way. I was, this is what I was right. really saying. Like, I right. can't believe she hurt. I, I can't believe, right. And you just, right. you play that innocent thing. Right. right. And that, those are the feeling really attacked right now. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're <laughs> <So>. guilty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think that those are like I'd imagine in your in your, in your environment, and when you go into teams, when you when you get into those cultures, those sometimes are the hardest to crack open and sort of have a a mirror to the leader, so they mm-hmm. can see like just because you favor politeness doesn't mean that your teams are safe, valued, respected, etc. Absolutely. And so you know, 
I'm, I'm think- curious to know how you how you solve those types those deeper issues because again that's that's sometimes the again the thing that's beneath the surface that most people would not pick up on unless you right. are in it and don't yeah. have power inside of it. Well, and I think that that's a t- that's a particular time where you would I would take a lot of care to foster a safe environment. So one, have that conversation one-on-one or have it maybe two people and myself, like, no, you know, because you don't want it to be, because if it's something where it's like in a room of everybody or the whole team is there and you're calling people out, you're going to get nowhere, you know, but when you have a conversation one-on-one and that's where you have the opportunity to essentially say, I hear, this is what I hear. This is what's being communicated. And what I hear is not what's being communicated. These two things are not congruent. So help me to understand because I hear you say, oh, is that what you got from that? But what that communicates to me is that you're not willing to accept responsibility or there is, I I sense that there's a little bit of animosity in this situation. And I would like to have you help me get to the bottom of it. That's another thing that I do that just like trigger that in my head. Two approaches that I take are one, I always, always say, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I'm going to call you out, but I'm also going to give you the opportunity to say, oh, that's not really what it is. And so then I say, okay, well, if that's not, if I'm not understanding what the situation is, then help me to understand. And I always, that's another thing that I do is I always put it in that person's court to clarify, to elaborate, to essentially give them, empower them to be clear about what's actually going on. So I always approach it as you're the expert I'm trying to understand. And I find that that also helps to get a clearer picture because then when I say exactly what I'm seeing in the situation, if you don't like it, then I can also then say, okay, well, I would love to hear from you what it is that I'm missing, or I would love to get a better understanding from you of what's actually going on. And so there's ways to press and there's ways to <laughs> dig a little deeper without being like, girl, that's not what you said. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, so that, those, those are two really important approaches that I prefer to take is that I want you to like, if, if at any time, anything I say doesn't jive with you, doesn't sit with you, it doesn't feel right, don't sound right. Tell me, I want to know because I want to get it right. Um, and I have had, thankfully so far, I don't want it to be like, I'm just miss whatever, but so far I have had a good response to that. And then also, can you help me better understand? Or if I say something that you don't like, can you help me understand why that rubs you the wrong way? And so I'm always going to get, I'm always going to push on, you know, what I find, like, I I feel like people will lead you. They'll kind of tell you more than they think they're telling you. And I'm always going to follow that trail. And just the way that I do it, I try to make it in a situation where that person what they have to say, they feel valued by what they have to say to me and that they feel empowered to say what it is that's their truth. Um, So yeah, I'm going to address the uncomfortable because that's what I'm there for. If we're actually working towards a solution instead of just a check the box and glib kind of whatever, everything's fine. 
everything's great and move on with your day. That's not what I'm here for. I really want to leave a place better than how I found it. And in my opinion, that means having difficult conversations, but there's a way to have a difficult conversation that doesn't make it into, you know, I think what people are afraid of, you can have difficult conversations that are still productive. Um, and so I just take all of that and I, I shoulder it on my end. So I'm, I, I'm very clear about the fact that I could be completely wrong or completely misunderstanding, but I also am going to push you to help me fully understand what I'm missing. So it's almost like, so <clears throat> I compare it to like me growing up with my mom. <laughs> if she ever said, excuse me, that was your chance to recorrect yourself <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and clarify yes. before yeah. you repeat what you just said. It yeah. wasn't an invitation to just repeat. Like it was, it was always right. a loaded conversation, but you just unpack that so, so beautifully and comfortably. So that way, you know, there's not punishment on the other end of that. Right. Whereas, you know, growing up, there exactly. was punishment. Right. On, You're on like, that. no, I, I knew it. Excuse me. And it was not. <laughs> Not yeah. an invitation to say what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I was going to say something earlier in our conversation that I, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of this company. It's called uh, Softway. I don't know. You might have heard of it. I'm not sure. But I was really impressed. Like I was, um, I was impressed with the way that you guys have handled the niceness and the value of culture with a culture of honesty. That I think is super important. And Chris, I think that you brought up such an excellent point a little while earlier in saying that, yeah, nice is important and that's good and all of that, but it's not as important as honesty and not brutal honesty, but like honesty in a way that it, you care. And I think that Softway, you guys really have modeled that in a really, really awesome way. So it is really exciting for me to join you because I think so much of our foundational viewpoints and mission is I mean, it could not be more similar, mm -hmm. um, but I think that you guys do that really well where you're honest and you can have fun and have a good relationship, but also mm -hmm. say when things are frustrating or difficult or hurtful or, you know, mm. so anyway, <laughs> it's like a lot, a lot. I talk to people about, um, they ask me about my work and my, my culture and stuff like that, because a lot of people have this conception that like culture or good culture just kind of exists and like it's like a right. everyone, everyone just comes and drinks from it and right. um they keep talking to me and i'm i'm like well i just you know i had to have all these crucial conversations i got mm -hmm. my feelings hurt i got they're like mm -hmm. i thought you had a good culture i'm like it's a great culture and they're mm -hmm. like they don't understand that like you know when you you know i think chris said earlier but just to rephrase like when you value comfort over progress mm -hmm. that's not a good that's not a good culture you know it's not mm -hmm. culture isn't where you just come and everyone's as comfortable as possible because all you get out of that is just a bunch of know fakeness half the time mm -hmm. and just people going fake. with the flow yeah, where, yeah and a where, lot of complacency i don't have to mm -hmm. they're not going to say anything you yeah, know so yeah. i don't have to do the things that i'm paid to do yeah, yeah. And, and and software is not not perfect for sure but we'll, we'll right. have very tangible moments we'll have meetings where someone says something someone did something and we have this you can sense these moments like mm. oh, this this happens often where it's like yeah. the end of a meeting is like five minutes left and we have a choice to be like all right, everybody have a good night or everybody have a good day and then just log off or will someone stop and say, all right, I feel like what just happened here was, mm -hmm. was very awkward. I don't know if anyone else senses it. And we mm -hmm. face those little, those little moments every day where if yeah. we do the right yeah. thing, it always comes out better, right? We always are able to be like, okay, thank God you said something because 
yeah, I think I felt, you know, that, you know, and, and we don't have to like, you know, kumbaya every time and like get all, right. you know, emotional, but mm-hmm. there's this trust that's built over time that we're, mm-hmm. we, that we will look out for each other's, you know, like well-being and things like that. So Absolutely. It, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up because, because it's something that we try to get across and it's not easy to understand for mm-hmm. most people who think that they just want to like, again, throw dollars at culture and buy a good culture mm-hmm. and just have a culture placed in front of them when mm-hmm. it requires really everybody to constantly work at it to enjoy a good culture. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like any family unit, like you're not perfect. You're not going to love everybody all the time, like not even close, but it's the, and it's less of all of the, all of the cutesy things and a lot more of the commitment to doing the work, you know, commitment to doing the work that you're there to do, like paid to do, but also to do the work to build the culture and to stay in that culture. And that requires vulnerability that requires honesty, but it also requires being willing to hear what's being said to you, you know? Um, And it's not, you're right. It's not easy. Um, But I, I think that what on the other end of that is so much success that people don't realize yet that a lot of the success that companies are actually looking for does exist, but it's on the other end of that process. Yep. And I think, right. Yeah. A lot of times when we have these conversations, there's usually like the the middle managers or the individual computer, mm-hmm. contributors that are really leaned in and want this. Um, and some leaders are just not wanting to listen because mm-hmm. one, they've been comfortable this entire mm-hmm. time and they don't understand why they have to be uncomfortable now. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that when, if you're a leader and you're comfortable and you've always been comfortable, mm-hmm. chances are your team is paying for your comfort. Yes. Oh. And... And if you're not willing to listen and do this work, right, mm-hmm. you're missing out on the opportunity to find that success, but have it be sustainable. Because that's the other right. part of it is like, you want sustainable success. Software mm-hmm. wants to be able to say like, it's not just, you know, a few people hoarding all the work and getting all the success, but everybody's able to, one, take vacations, to enjoy life, but also contribute. And so, um, you know, it, it takes that, you know, eye-opener or that moment of maybe extreme discomfort from the leadership that has been so comfortable for a long time Mm -hmm. to be able to allow that burden to be lifted at least least temporarily from the teams that shoulder them right and and you know if you're listening and you're you're that leader who's always been comfortable and you don't understand why people are you know frantic or frustrated or you know quiet even chances Mm -hmm. are is because you have been sort of asking them to pay for your comfort for so long Mm -hmm. that if discomfort comes your way, you're not ready for the work. Right. I want to freaking put that on a billboard, Chris. Right. You went to the church. (laughs) Seriously, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) but I was thinking, put it on a freaking t-shirt. Like, yeah, you know, if you, that whole, you as a leader are comfortable. Sorry, go ahead, Frank. (laughs) I just said that entire, that entire block of text. Yes. All of it. Have people come close to read it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so true we no, did but we like, went to like, church that that that's that summarizes i mean why we even do like right guys like why we do seneca why we do anything every time we're always coming to leaders and saying you you need to have self-awareness you need to and it's not that nobody's perfect that's the thing like so it's not we're not trying to say that everybody's inherently evil or any of that stuff we're just saying no you have to have yeah. to hold up a mirror and take a look at what's going on and I, I think, Chris, you just landed on such a succinct way to put it, which is just so tr- – it just lands true like 99.9% of the time. If, if you're just totally comfortable in your leadership position, like every day is just rosy and perfect, 
there's somebody somebody is paying for that for sure and so i think just to piggyback off what katrina and chris were saying the way that i've always viewed change is that real change starts where your comfort zone ends and Mm. so we have to be comfortable with getting people out of this comfort zone Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. any any moment in your life that you've experienced real dramatic transformation and change has been mm-hmm. so far away from your comfort zone when you've stepped mm-hmm. so far over the line to try something or have mm-hmm. to do something bold. And that's really what, what we're talking about. Like what you've yeah. shared today and what Softway's mission and vision is to do is, is to make change real through helping people see that being uncomfortable is not always a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, there's incredible results on the other side of it, but you have to walk through discomfort to get there. Um, So, and I mean, I think that's a challenge that we all can kind of share and understand and relate to, you know, that getting people to see the value in walking through discomfort, walking through growth to get to the other side of that. Um, And I just think it, it, it's been ingrained in us so much to just, produce the result, just produce the result. You know, um, I said this a a while ago and I think it, it's bears repeating, but that so much of our culture, specifically in a business environment, so much of our culture celebrates the arrival, but does not value the journey. And so that I think Mm. results in disordered thinking that there's a certain way to do things, which actually can cause more harm than good yeah at all costs with mm-hmm. leaving a trail of bodies behind you mm-hmm. but you got the but you got the outcome mm-hmm. Katrina it's it's talking to you today has been like talking to a team member talking to someone who's been with us throughout it all I feel like I feel like we we are trying to build happy teams and happy teams trying to put love in business strategies so we're kind of all we're kind of all speaking the same language it's been it's been a lot of fun and I want to Thank you for taking the time today to join us. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. It has been such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I I really have had so much fun. We have to do it again. Let's do it again, for sure. Let's go get some drinks. Let's do this over drinks so we can make fun of Frank some more. Uh, (laughs) But to our listeners, as always, (laughs) as always to our listeners, Thank you so much for listening and and please be sure to check out our book. It is available on Amazon everywhere you might find books. You can also check it out at loveisabusinessstrategy.com for more information. Frank's holding it up. Nice little hardcover uh, version and the soft cover and probably more. Uh, and here at Love is a Business Strategy, the podcast, we're posting new episodes every Wednesday. And if there's a business topic you'd like us to cover, let us, to, let us know if there's someone, uh, some feedback you have for us, let us know. You can find us also at softway.com slash labs, L-A-A-B-S. And if you like what you heard today, please do leave us a review, subscribe, et cetera. Katrina, if they want to get involved with you, if they want to hear about more about Happy Teams, if they want to work with you, how can they reach? What's the best way to reach you? Um, two ways. My website, which is happyteams.net, and my social media. You can find me on LinkedIn as Katrina Ballard or Katrina with a C um, or on Instagram, Katrina D Ballard. So any of those ways, I love to meet new people, love to make new connections, and I would love to hear from you. So any of those yep. sounds good to me. Katrina says she loves, she genuinely loves to hear your story. So let, put do. her to the test, put her to the test, see if she put her money where her mouth is, bring your stories, <laughs> bring it on. She's ready. 
And with that, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Frank, for joining us as well. Hope everybody had a great time. I know I did. And we will see everybody next week. Bye.